0: You're listening to episode 60 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about running and mental health. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got the Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational. And let the Marathon Running Podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond. Hey runners and welcome to episode 60 of our podcast. My name is Letty, and I'm here with my husband Ryan and we are here to do our weekly podcast. Hi Ryan. Hi Letty. How's it going? You were MIA last week and I'm sure you missed podcasting with me.
1: There's a right answer to that and it's yes, I did miss it.
0: So today we're going to talk about mental health and the effects of running on your mental health. So that should be an interesting topic because we haven't talked about any of that stuff in our past podcasts.
1: I'm excited to hear.
0: So it's very obvious that runners are normally type A and happy people, wouldn't you say?
1: It's a generalization, but I think that what you're alluding to is running helps your mental health. And I think I agree with that. And there's data that proves that. And so... If you were to take a subset of rudders versus non-exercisers, you'd probably find more happiness in the rudders.
0: But do you ever wonder, well, I guess you know because you went to med school, but I always wonder how is it that running makes you happy? I know there's endorphins and hormones that make you happy, but I had never really, until this week, looked into what goes on in your head and body biochemically to figure that out.
1: Yeah, I mean, I kind of have an idea, but, you know, I I don't... It's not my expertise, so I'd rather you tell us what you found out
0: I will. I'm very happy to dive into this research. But before I do that, I wanted to mention that this episode has been inspired by our guests. Her name is Sasha Wolf, who participated in one of my blogs. I do a monthly blog post and a newsletter. And last month's topic was, what is your running mantra? So Sasha Wolf reached out and she said her mantra is, still I run. And when she explained what that came from, she told me that she has a nonprofit organization 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 that is for mental health and for running so of course I checked it out and I as a result of it invited her to come on to talk about her amazing organization so that's who we're talking to today after we do a quick um, findings of the little bit of research so did you know Ryan that nearly one in five adults in the United States live with a mental illness according to the National Institute of Mental Health and that that number has been growing since COVID
1: that seems correct. I mean, you, you uh, obviously looked it up, so I would believe it, but it's also, it's quite high.
0: It's shocking, right? Yeah. And I think it is shocking because there's that stigma with people that people still see you as weak or there's some kind of negative connotation when you mention a mental illness. So there's discrimination and um, even health insurances don't always cover all the therapeutic treatments for people.
1: It's difficult for people to acknowledge they have something because of lots of different factors, yeah.
0: Yeah, because you can't see it. That's one of them. You know, if you're broken, if you've got a broken leg, you can see that. But if it's something...
1: Well, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm talking about acknowledge it, you know, in terms of acceptance in society.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. and that too. And that could be... You're a right.
1: It's also just visually. <laughs> if you see someone, it's harder to, to see as opposed to a lot of other...
0: Yeah. So the stigma, where do you think it comes from then?
1: I I really don't. I mean, I know there's, like, a lot of historical aspects of it. I'm sure there's a big history of it. You know, in the past, way back in the past, they, like, isolated people with mental illness or or did terrible things to them. So um, it's hard to break trends that have happened in the past. Fortunately, I feel like we're moving towards the more acceptance, and hopefully that continues. But...
0: Yeah, no, I think you're right. I hadn't even thought about the historical ones, but I can just think about how different cultures nowadays still treat that. You know, I'm from Germany and growing up there, you didn't really go see a doctor for mental problems unless you were quote-unquote crazy. And I think that's a cultural thing. I'm sure Germany has advanced just like the United States has. But obviously all we can do is help defy the stigma because we have a platform. So let's do that. We can all fall victims to mental illnesses, and um they can be anything such as post-traumatic stress syndrome, postpartum depression, which you saw me kind of going through a little bit, uh, because not all of them are genetic.
1: I think, yeah, genetics is an interesting thing. I mean, I, I know there there are probably some that they can link to genetics, and I bet that as we learn more about genetics, there'll be more links that we can create, but I think... A a lot of mental illness is not at all related to genetics as far as we know at this point. Genetics or not, there are ways to improve your mental health. And there's been proof of exercise helping that, which you're probably going to tell us more about a little bit. You did some research.
0: Yes. So there is a research study from the Academy of Finland who observed that running generates new neurons in the hippocampus region of the
1: brain. So all that sounds good. Everyone would like to have better memory, I think, or most people. So, neurons are the brain cells. So, they're the function of the brain. It's just like any cells, like your skin cells or your liver cells or your muscle cells. The neurons are the brain cells. And the axons are like the nerves that transfer the information around the body. And the hippocampus is generally used for memory. Um, I think specifically like short-term to long-term memory or something. There's other aspects of it too, but...
0: Other functions such as emotions, learning, memory, pleasure, reward, and all that stuff, all that happens in the hippocampus, right?
1: Probably. I just know the basics.
0: <laughs> so, they also said in that same study that the rats that acquired the most new neurons in the hippocampus had were the ones that ran the longest distances.
1: There's probably an upper limit to that. I mean, I know they're doing research now with ultra runners and how like it can cause like fibrosis of the heart or things but so it'll be interesting to see if there's actually an upper limit i want to i wonder what like how long they made those rats run regardless though for the most for most people you probably won't reach the upper limits where exercise is harmful instead you'll only gain benefits
0: interesting So there's another study from the University of Arizona that said that runners' brains show greater functional connectivity. They studied the MRI scans of runners' brains and compared them with MRI scans of non-runners' brains. And the runners reported having greater connectivity between the regions of the brain, including the frontal cortex, um, which I guess that's the part where planning and decision making takes place. And the researchers then concluded that running affects the structure and function of the brain in ways similar to complex tasks such as playing a musical instrument.
1: I wonder if we'll figure out exactly how that happens. I know that, you know, running and exercise is known to increase blood flow and small capillary vessels and it, your body actually grows more vessels and blood helps things grow and stay healthy and stuff too. So I wonder if it's all related to increased blood flow.
0: See, that's the part that I was trying to figure out too because I wanted to know exactly what happens. Kind of like when you eat the stuff you know that you don't burn off it grows as fat i wanted to know when you run how does that make your brain better
1: i think unfortunately that most people want a simple answer there's usually never a simple answer it's much more complex even i think (laughs) I, i don't think everyone i don't think people know even now like all the factors that are involved with you know how something happens like that how the hippocampus gets more neurons. They know they can study and show that it happens, but they don't know exactly how everything happens. I think and for most cases, I'm sure there's some, you know, if you look into the research more, there's probably some things that are more known, but a lot of it still is unknown.
0: Well, I mean, I spend a whole week looking at this and I still don't know that much more.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's human nature. To, <laughs> I know to data. Want. Yeah. It's human nature to want a simple answer. Like, you know, I do this, I get this. It's like, I mean, it's like our lives though, right? You know, I'm hungry, I eat food, I'm not hungry. And so they want something simple and and the body is very complex, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, so one last thing I want to mention, one last study out of the gazillion studies I read is that they are suspecting that running can build the brain's resilience to aging-related neurodegenerative disorders such as Alzheimer's, so... You know, bottom line is that running is wonderful and running can help you and that mental health is just as important as physical health just as marathon mental training is just as important as the physical aspect of marathon training. Um, so yeah, so that sums it up. And now I'm going to introduce, well, I already introduced her. I'm going to play our conversation with Sasha Wolf, who is the founder of Still I Run. So let's hear from Sasha. All right, so we're on with Sasha Wolf. Sasha, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yes. And you have an awesome foundation. We'll dive into all of that. But before we do, today's topic is mental health. And we wanted to start with you. So maybe you can tell us who you are, what you do, where you're from, and also how you became a runner.
2: Yeah. Um, so like you said, I am Sasha Wolf. I am a runner. I am a mother. I am a wife. I am a communications professional for Herman Miller Furniture. And then on top of that, I also run uh, Still I Run Runners for Mental Health Awareness, which I started in October of 2016. Um, so my background with running is my parents are big runners, Um, And I kind of ran on and off for what I like to say, funsies, quote unquote, funsies, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but there was no clear purpose behind it. Um, And it wasn't until I actually was hospitalized with depression and anxiety um, in 2011 um, that I kind of discovered the benefits of of running for mental health. Um, So running and medication and therapy. Um, and I, after discovering like how much better I felt after my first run, jog, trot, whatever you want to call it, um, I haven't stopped running for my mental health since.
0: Wow. That's uh, well, it's quite an intro. You have a lot of hats that you wear. So congrats <laughs> on that. You seem to be doing awesome wearing all of them, but to talk a little bit more about your story, can you tell us Well, first of all, how badly did your depression get? And then how was it that you discovered that there is some kind of benefit? Can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit more?
2: Yeah. um, So my history with like mental health, I guess you could say it started in when I was 16 years old. At least that's what my mom would tell you. (laughs) Um, But I wasn't officially diagnosed with anything until my first year at college. Um and you know the the clinic gave me a prescription for Prozac weekly and then said all right you know good luck here's a pamphlet on what depression is um which is not the correct way of <laughs> diagnosing an illness like that because um when you have depression or anxiety or any other mental illness it's really good to be a participant in your care um and that was a piece that was missing for me so after i was diagnosed with depression in college Um, I literally did nothing with that diagnosis other than a prescription um, for like a good six or seven years. And then finally, what I like to say is um, the medication or no, my depression outgrew the medication and the medication wasn't working anymore. And I found myself in this dark, dark space um, where I didn't really have suicidal ideation, but I just didn't want to exist anymore. I thought the world would just be better off if I wasn't around. Um, And luckily I was with someone at the time who suggested like, you know, this isn't normal, a normal thought pattern. Perhaps you should go seek some mental health help. Um, And where I live in West Michigan, we've got a wonderful mental health facility and, um, they've got emergency care 24-7, so I think I checked in at like 9 or 10 at night, um, and they, they kept me for an entire week just observation and meeting with a social worker, going to group therapy classes, learning more about how to be an active participant in my care, um, and one thing that they mentioned when I was in the hospital is um, finding a good healthy habit. And so um, for me, I thought, all right, well, I guess we'll try this running thing. Um, (laughs) And when I was discharged from the hospital the next day, I just decided to take my dog for a walk. That was it. I did not have the energy to do anything else. Um, And so after that initial walk, I just felt as if I had accomplished something big, um, even though it was a simple walk, but. I had just been hospitalized for a mental illness. Um, So completing that walk made me feel better, both um, in terms of feeling like I accomplished something, but also just like the happy chemicals going on in my brain. Um, And so then the next day I went for a little longer walk. The day after that, it was a little like faster than that. And I think that's where I made the connection that exercise can help with mental health uh, issues. And for me, that form of exercise just happened to be running.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful and, and a very powerful story. And I guess, I mean, lucky for you, you lived in an area where you had that availability to those facilities and yes. that you were open minded enough. To try that out because I know there is a huge stigma, and I'm sure that you can tell our listeners a little bit more about the stigma that's involved with any type of mental illness.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, it, you know, looking back at my history of from diagnosis to actually getting help at a mental health hospital there's a span of like six, seven years there. So there were six to seven years where I didn't want to talk about it with anyone. Like I was the fun, sassy California girl. Like I couldn't be seen as, you know, having this debilitating mental illness um, because the stigma weighed so heavily on me. And uh, I guess just, I was comfortable enough in my journey at that time to finally say, all right, I need to, to go in and get help at a real professional center. Um, Because if you had a broken arm, you'd go to the doctor for that. I had a broken brain. I needed to go to the doctor for that. Um, But it definitely was a journey. It wasn't a overnight. Let's just forget that there's a stigma in there. Um, And everybody has their own personal journey. And, you know, with that journey, even though I was hospitalized for depression and anxiety in 2011, I didn't talk about it till 2016 when I launched Still I Run. So like, definitely not an overnight thing to, to say, you know, um, stigma be damned, let's just do this. Uh, but yeah, I, it, it took a while for me. And I think that's why I really enjoy Still I Run. Like, I don't want people to have to wait that long to feel comfortable to share their story. Or I don't want people to have to wait that long to finally get help. And that's, that's kind of what my,
0: my mission in life is now. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. I mean, especially because that stigma is so ingrained in us that even for a person like you, it took you that long. But yet we know, and you made it sound so logical. You have a broken arm. You go to a hospital. You have a broken brain. You go seek. Something out. And I think that's, you know, that kind of is the same with the whole, you know, when you train for a marathon, you have training, but then there's a training your brain psychology that is just now being discovered. So I love that we're in 2021, finally opening up our minds to understand that, hey, there's a lot of people that have some sort of mental health disorder, it doesn't mean anything negative, nor is it in any means your fault. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit for a lot of us that don't know, what are the main mental health health disorders out there that people are struggling with?
2: Right. And I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have heard the statistic, like w- every year, one in five Americans will be diagnosed with a mental health disorder. And like, even if you personally, aren't the one in five, chances are, you know, the one in five. So it literally affects everyone on this planet. So just from a still I run point of view, and all the stories that I hear on a regular basis, the biggest one is always depression and anxiety. Um, OCD is another one. Uh, Post traumatic stress disorder is another one. Um, We have a couple people that have been diagnosed with schizophrenia, another uh, lots of people with bipolar um, but I think in terms of what I see, it's depression. It can be genetic or situational. Um, for me, it's purely genetic. My mother has it. My grandfather had it. And I'm pretty sure, you know, if, if there were proper diagnosis going on back in, you know, the twenties and thirties, I'm sure my great grandparents would have, uh, had a diagnosis in there. Um, and, you know, going along with the, the genetic side of it all, Another reason I, I do Still I Run is because I have two children right now, my third one on the way. And um, should they be diagnosed with a mental health disorder because they inherited it from me? I'm hoping just to make the world a little less you know um, scary for them to be able to, to say I have a mental health disorder and like make it a little easier for them to go find mental health care or be able to talk about it.
0: Yes. And uh, congratulations on your current pregnancy. That's, uh, Thank you. that's uh, really cool. So to go back to, well, actually, we haven't gone there, so we're not going back, but mm-hmm. let's talk about your foundation. And I would like to start well by saying it's amazing that you did that because you, first of all, overcame the stigma and sought, like sought help yourself. And then went to the extent that you opened something for other people by sharing your own story. Is that how your foundation came about? So I feel like I
2: kind of just stumbled upon it almost, which sounds really weird to say. Uh, So after I discovered the benefits of running for mental health, I wanted to connect with other people who did the same thing. Um, And I looked for a couple of years for a group out there that I could connect with other running warriors, such as myself. And I couldn't find a dang thing. And I was like, this seems so obvious. How is there not a group or an organization uh, (laughs) for this? And then I read um, Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly about being vulnerable with our stories and and sharing and how there's, there's power in that. And I thought, all right, well, I will start this group myself, but in order for it to be successful, I have to share my own story, which is really scary. Um, and, and I did it. I, I made a website. I uh, opened up a Facebook page and I shared my personal story about running for mental health. And I had friends and family reach out that had no idea that I had been struggling. Um, and then I had random people reach out saying, you know, thank you so much for sharing your story. And from there, it kind of just grew. And, and I really thought just my friends would like my Facebook page or whatever. And there was no real clear intention of doing anything. And then eventually people were like, how do I donate to you? And I'm, I'm thinking, uh, well, we're not a (laughs) nonprofit yet. Uh, so I kind of, just fell into the nonprofit world and, and now Still I Run is this, you know, it went from like a tiny Facebook group to um, we've got ambassadors in, in different parts of the country. And um, we have a scholarship program that helps people throughout the country. And it's just amazing to see how in in little less than five years, how it went from me launching a Facebook page to this blossoming big nonprofit foundation. <laughs>
0: No, it's amazing. And it's a great place for people to go either help out or feel more normal with their own story. So your Facebook group, or I guess your foundation at this point, you guys have a scholarship. Can you tell us more about that?
2: Oh, the scholarship is my favorite part about Still I Run. Um, so for a lot of us runners, it's like, hey, all you need is a pair of shoes and go outside and you can be a runner. Um, but if you've never run before, like you don't know what kind of shoes to get, you don't know, uh, how much money to drop on them. You don't know how to find a race or train or any of that. And, um, that can sometimes be a barrier to getting started running for mental health. Um, so the starting line scholarship takes away all of those barriers and, um, every quarter, uh, we, we accept new applications and award recipients, They get a pair of shoes from Ultra Running. They get a sports bra um, if they need one from Wazelle. Uh, They also get skincare products. They get swag from Still I Run. Um, They get a a certified coach to help them for 10 to 12 weeks um, to to train either for their first 5K or 10K, and we'll pay for that race registration. Um, And then we give them a Still I Run Mentor. So we're essentially giving them everything they need to get started running for mental health um, and and help them through the process and hopefully have it be a a lifelong habit
0: for them. That's so lovely. So that the listeners know it's not a scholarship for going to school. It's a scholarship for correct anybody that wants to start running to get you started out the door. So that's pretty amazing. And we're going to have to share this on our website. But how do people or what criteria do people need to meet in order to be able to participate in this?
2: You just have to want to run for, for mental health. I mean, we have a whole application and like um, we look at things such as, you know, if you want to do a 5K versus an ultra marathon, um, because our goal is really to help people get into the sport of running for mental health, or if they've, you know, had a lapse in running for a couple of years because of a mental illness, um, you know, we'll will help get them back at it. Um, but just a passion for wanting to run for mental health and If you have any financial barriers, we'll help out with that because we pay for the shoes and, oh yeah, you also get running clothes. Um, (laughs) um, And then also we do um, accept children. Um, So, uh, you know, if you're under the age of 18 and you want to apply, like as long as you have a parent or legal guardian that's invested in your journey, you can apply as well. Um, But we do limit it to the United States uh, for participants just because we are a small nonprofit and um, still I run is like my side project and not my full time job. So we do the best we can with the resources we have.
0: Right, right. And very understandably. So let's hear, um, can you maybe tell us some stories, some of your favorite stories of participants in your organization, people that you met and stories that they shared with you?
2: Oh, it's hard to keep track of them all um, because (laughs) it's been almost five years. Um, I would say one of my favorite stories is actually um, someone who lives in the area locally um, she had just gotten out of a really abusive relationship with an ex-husband, and um, she's also got two little boys, and they were looking for something to, to help motivate them and keep them going and keep them as a cohesive unit, the mom and, and the two children. Um, so they were actually the first recipients of our starting line scholarship, and we gave, we gave all three of them shoes, running clothes, and since they were local, I took them to the running store myself and got to help them pick out all their things. Um, and it was just so awesome seeing this family bond together after such a traumatizing experience with the abusive ex-husband. Um, and, and see the three of them come together as this little cohesive trio, this little unit, and um training together for a race. And it's just knowing that Still I run helped her, but then also her two children who they're the next generation. Um it really fuels me. It, it fuels, I think, everybody on the, the volunteer team we have at Still I Run. Um, we have given out scholarships to people who are homeless. Um, and, you know, it really helps get them back on their feet. And it's stuff that they've used in their resume that I've I've done this. I've trained for this race while in a homeless shelter. And, you know, this just proves what an amazing person I am. And And how i can conquer hard things so um i guess those are just like two tiny examples of the stories we get on a daily basis
0: yes yes and and i'm sure it's so rewarding too because whatever you do to help people must have such a massive impact as little as it seems to you and me providing them with a few items it changes people's lives and that's just beautiful
2: yeah, it absolutely does. Like, I don't think I really realized what the impact of the starting line scholarship would be until I started hearing back from people who received the shoes or. Um, finish their very first 5k like that is such a huge accomplishment
0: (laughs) right and especially for the kids if if they remember once they're an adult that they Mm -hmm. had this crazy relationship at home and then they were able to run a race and how it changes and impacted their life that's gonna be just amazing brings back faith in humanity
2: I would love to do more outreach to children Um, I feel like had I been exposed to mental health much earlier in life, perhaps it would have helped me get care a little earlier in life. Um, So the, the sooner we can talk about it with our kids, the better. And, and, you know, I have a three and a half year old, which is still really young, but I don't make it a secret that, you know, mommy takes medicine for her brain every morning. Like, I just want to make that a normal part of our Our conversation and, you know, let her know that it's, it's okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, with what you just said, another thing that you said earlier that stuck with me was that you said, besides taking medication, people also have to learn healthy habits and incorporate those. So for anybody that is struggling with anxiety, depression or any of the other uh, possible illnesses, can you perhaps speak to them directly and give them a little bit of advice? Yeah,
2: I would say that um, the biggest thing for me personally is having a mental health toolkit. Um, So my toolkit is running mental health and therapy. And it's kind of like this, the strong triangle I use to, to keep my life going. And when, when one of those pieces, when I start to feel bad, I evaluate those pieces. So like, do I need to change my medication? Do I need to make an appointment with my therapist? Do I need to Do more running? Do I need to do less running? And it's all about being an active participant in your in your health care. I think that's why I struggled for so long between being diagnosed in college and then finally going to a mental health hospital. I didn't I didn't manage any of my care. and if running isn't your thing, there are so many other beautiful, wonderful things out there to do. Um, there's biking, there's yoga, walking, rock climbing, rollerblading. Whatever type of physical activity works for you is is what's going to be great for your mental health toolkit. But I very much encourage everyone to kind of make their own little kit so that they, you know, they can follow it. And if something
0: starts to fall apart, let's, let's look at one of the pieces of the toolkit. Absolutely. Beautifully said. And if people want to reach you and ask you questions or even your foundation, can you give us some uh, places where they can find you online?
2: Yeah. So um, our website is at stillirun.org. We also have, which is really cool. We have a store. um, So it's full of mental health running apparel. Um, we've got shirts that say like forward is a pace. We've got other shirts that say mental health running warrior and all the proceeds go back to still, I run, um, since still, I run is like a hundred percent volunteer led. Um, and then we've also got our Facebook page. We've got a private Facebook page, which is really popular. Um, and it's private just because, not everybody's really comfortable sharing their story or their journey just yet. And so they can um, post in our private, our private group and and feel safe there um, and feel like they're amongst others who know what they're going through. Um, Then we're also on Instagram and then I'm on Instagram and Facebook, but I'm, since I'm so busy, I'm terrible at my own social media. (laughs) So um, chances are you will better be able to, uh, to to contact me if you go through, through still I run.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Perfect. And then donations, where can people, if they would like to contribute to the cause, where can we send them? Is it just, should, should they just go to the website? yeah
2: yeah stillirun.org um and then we also just uh on July 1 actually um relaunched our charity team um it's called team still i run uh so if you are running a race and you want to raise funds for still i run while you're while you're training um that is a possibility um we have a $250 minimum for raising money and you get a a team still I run T-shirt. You get a training plan. You get social media graphics to help promote what you're doing. Um, access to our our special store that we have. Um, so you get a few little goodies if you if you decide to uh, literally run for mental health and and raise funds for Still I Run.
0: That's awesome! Wow. So cool. Well, thank you so much, Sasha, for coming on and uh, sharing your journey and helping our listeners. Thank you for opening everybody up to be able to talk about this. Yeah,
2: you're welcome. I I am an open book. So anyone want to reach out, I, I am an open book and will help defeat the stigma and help you along in your journey of running for mental health.
0: Wonderful. Thank you, Sasha. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Sasha, for coming on to our show. We really appreciate all your insight and all your hard work that you do. And I want to encourage our listeners to check out your Facebook group, Facebook page, and um, see if they want to contribute in this cause somehow because what you do is wonderful. Um Bottom line that we're taking out of it is that running is no substitution for therapy, even if there's shirts that state otherwise. But together with therapy and perhaps medication if needed, running is something can, that can help you feel whole again. So I want to leave you with that. Thank you for tuning in. And until next week, have a great week of running. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us. And as always, have a great week of running.